Well, I want you to join me, please, if you'll take your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 1. I am not smart enough or spiritual enough to know what everybody needs this morning. But that's why we have a Bible. And I believe that as we go through the Bible that God gets to say what He has said, what He wants to say. And so we'll continue going verse by verse through the Word of God to get the message from His Word that we all need this morning. I'm in Colossians chapter 1 and we left off at verse number 12, so we'll pick up there again. Colossians 1 verse number 12, three verses this morning. You'll follow as we read. The Bible says, Colossians 1.12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption, Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. What wonderful verses. We begin with verse number 12. He says, giving thanks unto the Father. And then he begins to list the things that certainly we should be thankful for. The only thing is that you cannot give thanks unto the Father if he's not your Father. God is not everyone's Father. We are not automatically born into the family of God as we are brought into this world. It's not a religious thing. It's not a genetic thing. It's certainly not some type of thing that was chosen before the foundation of the world that was outside of your own personal belief or decision. Does it matter who our parents are, who our, where our family is, or if we go to church or not? The Bible is very clear that we are only the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never personally from your heart put faith in Jesus Christ, you do not belong to Christ. He's not your father. But if you have trusted Christ as your personal savior, then God is your father. And you ought to rejoice in that. And you see that in the lives of these Colossians. When he, goes, when he starts there in verse number 3, back if you look back a few verses, he said, We give thanks to God and the Father. He said in verse number 2, From God our Father, they received that grace and peace. Because verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So this is written to people that had put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore God has become their Father. The Bible said that they had heard the word of the truth of the gospel, verse number 5. I'd say the only good news in all the world is found in Jesus Christ. There's no other good news. The good news is that we're all bad people and that humanity is headed to hell, but God has a substitute. And Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb, died in your place, and you don't have to die in your sin or for your sin. Somebody died for you. And he died and was buried and rose the third day. And if you'll trust him, that's the gospel. That's the gospel according to the scriptures. And we ought to have in our hearts, if you've been saved by the grace of God, verse number 12, we ought to have some thanks in our hearts. I wonder how many of us came into church this morning 
with things. Isn't it sad we have to have a holiday to tell us to do that? If you've been saved by the grace of God, if God is your Father, you ought to be filled with thankfulness. And not just a hollow thankfulness, not a thankfulness that has no meaning or purpose or reason. But there are reasons that we ought to be thankful. There are reasons that we ought to give God thanks. I, I hope you didn't just come to church. I, I want you to I want people to come to church to get something, but from what I read in the Bible, we also ought to go to church to give something. Not just get something from God. I'm glad you can come to church. You can get something from God. You can get something from His Word. You can get something from His Spirit. But isn't it wonderful we that have been saved, we can come in here and we can give something to Him. You say, what can I give Him, poor as I am? Well, you can give Him some thanks. You can give Him some thanks. And you can give Him some thanks for certain things. That's what begins to be enumerated in this text. That's what He's telling the Colossians. They are to be giving thanks unto the Father. For what? Let's go through them this morning if we, if we can. Verse number 12, would you look at it again? Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. First of all, we can give God thanks unto the Father for what He has made us. Would you look at that? Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. M-E-E-T. Made us meet. In other words, that word meet, you all know that word from all the way back in the book of Genesis that so many preachers misquote and make a help meet. <laughs> That's not an animal. <laughs> that woman was not... A helpmeet as in an animal. That's, that's two words. God made Eve, made the woman, a help. Meet for him. It, 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 it's not a, not a noun. It's, it's a helpmeet. That word meet means, well, you can sort of understand it from how it's even spelled. If, if you meet someone, you're coming together. Uh, the word meet means it, they fit. They fit. They fit together. You know why all this crazy alphabet perversion in our society is so ludicrous? It don't fit. God made things to fit together. He made a woman and a man and they fit. They fit physically. They fit emotionally. They fit in every way. And God made Adam a help that was meat. They fit. You know what's true about all of us? Before we met Jesus Christ, we don't fit with God. The puzzle does not go together. You know, lost people, they can try to... If you've never been saved by the grace of God... You can try to reform your life, you can try to change your life, but it will never fit with God. God has to make you something. He has to make you fit with Himself. 
We are so messed up. How can we as sinners fit together with a holy God? How can we be suitable? How can we be appropriate with all of our faults and failures with a holy God and with all the holy things of God? God has to make us meet. He has to make us something that we are not ourselves. And we ought to step back and say, you know, so many times people want to make themselves successful or they want to make themselves this, that, the other. But the truth about the matter is when it comes to spiritual things, we can't make ourselves anything. God has to make us. He has to make our hearts. He has to make our minds. He has to make a new man on the inside. And the Bible says... He hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. God's not necessarily trying to make you successful. He's making you meet for the inheritance that he's provided for you. To partaker of the inheritance of the saints. It's something we don't deserve. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we can figure out. You know, guys, we're not made for heaven in ourselves. (laughs) If you tried to ascend up into heaven, you'd die before you got out of the atmosphere. (laughs) If you could get in a rocket ship and go that far, you just... You don't fit, we as human beings don't fit into heaven. It is an eternal place. It's a holy place. So God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to save you because you put faith in my son and I'm going to make you meet to be a partaker of the inheritance. I'm going to make, you're going to be made for this. Now, because of salvation, because of my father, I am made for heaven. I fit there. I belong. I'm suitable. It'll work out. Why? Because of what he's made in my life. And so this morning, if you're not saved, you say, man, how could I ever measure up? How could I ever, how, how could I ever be prepared or ready for heaven? You can't, but if you'll put faith in Christ, he will make you something you can't make for yourself. The Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers. And you ought to thank God for that. You ought to be thanking the Father. Father, thank you for making me something that I could not make myself. Thank you for making something out of my life that I could never make. Thank you, Lord, that you made me fit with you and fit with the truth and fit with the Bible. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What, what is that? You say, well, that's heaven. I think it's much more than heaven. We know that the Bible tells us that we have an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us, inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. That's First Peter chapter 1. We understand that. But it's, it's more than just a place in heaven. We are made per, meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. There's something about our inheritance that goes beyond just a building or a place. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Would you turn over there just back a few pages? God made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. 
It ought to make you smile that you've got an inheritance. Yeah. If you save, you have an inheritance. And it's much bigger than silver or gold that, that perishes. It's much bigger than a house or a car that somebody could leave you that will pass away. God, your Father, has left us an inheritance, the Bible says. He says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestinated. Every time you see that word, that word is only used for saved people and it's only used for one thing. And it's not a predestination to heaven. Keep reading. It's always the same thing. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. What is it? That we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. Do you see that? The Bible tells us I have an inheritance. What is that going to be? That I will become praise to His glory. That I will bring glory to God. That I will be a, a praise to God. You say, that don't fit. That, you know my life's messed up. Yeah, but God has made us meet to be partakers of an inheritance that one day we're going to bring glory to God. We will be His praise. We will be His shining star, you see. Forever and forever will be a crown, will be a jewel for a glory. God's going to make sure that happens. He's made us. That's what Paul, when he says, he says, you know, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him that against that day. God's got a bigger plan for me than I can perform. He's going to keep this thing intact. Boy, I'm glad as though Christians hurt the heart of God that one day we're all going to be gathered together under the praise of the glory of His grace and our inheritance is going to be we're going to be like Jesus and we're all going to be in line and we're all going to be right with God and we're all going to look like His precious Son from from the very bottom of our hearts. God says, I've got an inheritance for you. You're going to be the praise of the glory of my grace. You're going to be like Jesus. I tell you what, you can give me what you can leave me whatever you want, but if you leave me a body that's just like Jesus Christ, that's an inheritance. You put on that, and look what he says back there in our text. He says, "The partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, in light." Now that's important because the next verse he talks about darkness. You know what the Bible says about us? That we were sometimes darkness. Ephesians 5, 8. Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And God says, what I've done is I've made you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. This, this inheritance you've got, it's in the light. It's not in a secret place. It's not in darkness. It's in the light. You know why heaven's a wonderful place? You know it's not a dark place. There's no darkness there. In Him is no darkness at all. The Bible tells us that we're children of light. We're children of the day. We're not children of the night. We're not children of the darkness. And our home is a place, the Bible says, that doesn't even need the sun. And doesn't need any exterior lights. And there's no generators there. And there's no power plants there. What's there? What's in heaven? What lightens up all of heaven? The very glory of God. The glory of Jesus Christ. Lightens all of heaven. That's the light. 
And we'll walk in that light. You know what God says? I made you meet to be a partaker of that light. You're going to be a partaker of that light. You know what God even says in his word? He said in Psalm 104 that God clothes himself in light. You remember when Jesus was up on top of that Mount of Transfiguration and they finally got to see him in his glory. And the Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 17, he says this, that his garments were white as the light. I mean, you look at your blood. Jesus clothed in light, in glory. And that's what they saw from the Lord. You know what the Bible tells me and you? If God is your father, God has an inheritance for you. That you are going to be a partaker of that same type of glory, that same type of clothing. That'll never pass away. I, I think you ought to give thanks to the Father for that. You say, well, sometimes my, my world looks pretty bad. Well, then you need to think about your inheritance. Your inheritance. And inheritance is something, you, you know, he says right there, he says, which hath made us meet. That's right now, to be partakers of the inheritance. That inheritance, you know, you have to wait on that a little while. It's not going to come immediately. It's going to come down the road, but you've got to have faith. That God has made something for you that's so glorious. Better than anything you can make yourself. The Bible says, so first of all, we ought to give thanks unto the Father because he's made us something. And then I want you to keep reading. He said in verse number 13, Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us. He's not only made us, but he has, the Bible says, hath delivered us. Look at the tenses of of these verbs. He hath made us. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of God and hath translated us into the kingdom. These are not things that we are waiting for. These are things that God has brought to pass presently in our life. He has made something in my life right now. He has delivered me right now. Hath delivered me from what? From the power of darkness. He's brought me to that in light. I've, got, I've been made a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. And he's taken me out of darkness. He's delivered me. He's delivered me. There's probably someone in here this morning that needs deliverance. You might need to be delivered from something you don't think you need to be delivered from. Do you know how dark people are? People's minds are dark. Matter of fact, they even have uh, what they call on the Internet a part of the dark web. We live in a dark world. Guys, there are things that go on in this county... If we knew what was happening in the darkness. People's hearts are dark. Their minds are dark. Their lives are dark. And while we live our lives, there is a whole other world that's in the darkness. You know what Jesus said about that power of darkness? 
when they came to him to arrest him, to take him to the cross, he said this. He says, this is your hour and the power of darkness. You know, the darkness is so deep and despicable that it would take the most lovely, precious, holy, pleasing thing in the history of the world and nail it to a cross. The power of darkness to take somebody that only did good and then put nails in his hands and his feet. To take somebody that healed the sick and raised the dead and gave people the very word of God and the deliverance from their own sin and spit in his face. That's darkness. Treat him worse than a common criminal. They actually said, we'd rather have the criminal than than this man. The power of darkness to take everything that's holy and innocent and pure. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And just drag it in the dirt and beat it and scourge it and nail it and strip it and mock it. That's the power of darkness. You know what the power of darkness wants to do? wants to take every one of these children. wants to take all the young people. wants to take every one of us, ruin our innocency. Ruin our hearts, ruin everything that's decent. That's the power of darkness. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Acts chapter 26. He said, yeah, I'm preaching the gospel because what God wants to do is to turn them from darkness to light. Listen, from the power of Satan unto God. God says this, I know that darkness is big. But I let that power of darkness and that power of Satan fall on my son and he took that power of darkness and he took all of that, that terrible, all that terrible wrath so that he could turn around and deliver you from the power of darkness and deliver you from the power of Satan. Amen. And you know what? Some of us in here know what that means. We know that there was some darkness that had a hold of our soul and our spirit and our life. But thanks be unto the Father that the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us from the power of darkness and from the power of Satan unto God. And it's not the darkness that now controls me, but it's somebody else that controls my life. If it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, there'd be people in here. The darkness would be so thick in your life. And there are some people in here that you name the name of Christ and you're saved, but the darkness is still clouding into your life. Because you're walking in darkness instead of walking in the light as He is in the light and having fellowship, you see. Why would anybody that's delivered from the darkness want to take a trip over there? The darkness. Why do you want to go to the dark side? Everyday people go to the dark. Is that not right? And you know just as soon as you're sitting here, there's something about you that's dark. You and I are capable of anything. Because there's a part of you and there's a part of me. Even if you're saved by the grace of God, the part of you saved is on the inside. This hasn't been saved yet. It's waiting to get saved. 
And this right here, this body of flesh, is dark, brother. And that's why the book says, you better, you better, you think you stand, you better take heed lest you fall. Because there's something dark about you. And if you let this start running your life instead of the Lord run your life, you're going to go to a dark place. Yeah. You can get so angry you want to kill people. You can get so depressed or lonely you want to take your own life. You can get so dark you want, you want to hurt others. You can get so dark that you want to get back at God. I'm talking about darkness this morning. And God says, I've delivered you. Three times God says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Matter of fact, just turn over and read it. It's a wonderful verse. Three tenses of deliverance for the saved. It's not just one once in the past, you know, I got he, he saved me and I got over my, my uh, drug addiction or my alcohol or whatever was plaguing my life. No, it's not, it, it's not just that. The deliverance is a full deliverance. Thank God for full deliverance. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and, and verse, uh, look at, drop down there, verse number 10. He, or verse number 9, I love it. He said, but we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, that's past tense, and doth deliver, that's present tense, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. That's future. I'm delivered past, present, future, and I need to come here and say, thanks be unto God. Thank you, God, for deliverance. It's not that those drug addicts and those prostitutes and those people bound up in pride and bitterness and depression and every other thing in the world that takes people to a dark place. It's not that they're just so bad and we're, we're so much better. No, God has delivered us from the darkness. And if you need deliverance this morning, you can find it from the Father. Amen. Deliverance. Delivered from the rulers of the darkness of this world. Thanks be unto the Father for making us. Thanks be unto the Father for delivering us. But I give you a third thing in our text. He said in verse number 13 of Colossians chapter 1, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. By, by the way, you know what, what society tries to do? They try to invent all these other ways to get deliverance. You will not get deliverance from the darkness except from God. Do yoga from the sun up to the sundown, you ain't getting deliverance. Medication does not deliver you from the darkness. It might numb it for a little while. But deliverance, that means somebody come took the shackles off. They didn't just make you feel better while the shackles were still there. A new relationship, a new job, more money, different life. That, that, that's not deliverance from the darkness. Guys, I'm telling you, I, re- I read this article. There's this dude who thinks he can live forever. He has taken 111 pills a day. Yeah, he thinks he can live forever. He's a billionaire. He's got everything at his fingertips. He takes 111 pills a day. 
He's like 40-something years old, but he says he's in a 30-year-old body, but he says, I figured out how to live forever. Well, if you've only gained 10 years off of your 111 pills, you're going to run out pretty fast, buddy. I mean, he, he goes to bed at 8.30, gets up at 6.30, got all this weird, he's a weirdo. He thinks he's going to deliver himself. All the money in the world can't deliver you from you. All the money in the world can't deliver you from death or deliver you from darkness. There's only one that can deliver you. Preach, it's not that easy. Well, it has been for some of us. Because some people still believe what that says right there. Hath delivered us. Well, if we'll, if, we'll go to, if we'll go to enough self-help meetings, if we'll follow this 10-point. Guys, God hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That's what it says. So what I believe people need to do, they need to get to God. He has the power to deliver. There's some other, we could, people all over this building could get up and start testifying of that. About how dark a place your life was and God just took the chains off. Like that. Number three. Verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us. Now that's a different phrase. Translated us. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you been translated? What does that even mean? Aren't you glad for a Bible that's a little deeper than a comic book? (laughs) Hath translated us. Now, you know, we get flack from the community and from other people because we believe this translation is perfect. The King James Bible is the perfect Word of God without error. In the English language. We believe that this translation is of God. And then some smart aleck comes up and says, well, it has to be inferior to when it was originally written. And I stepped back and I said, I would say this. Have you ever studied the word translation in the Bible? It only refers to three things. Now watch this. Every time... When it's translated, it turns out better. I'm just showing you what... Don't tell me that a translation is inferior. Because every time I read about something getting translated in the Bible, it doesn't get worse. (laughs) It's a blessing. The first time it occurs is when the Bible says that God translated the kingdom from Saul to David. That was a good thing. Saul's a man that was a type of the flesh. Saul's trying to kill people that's trying to help him. Saul's going to a witch to figure out what to do. And the Bible says God translated the kingdom from Saul. Saul wanted to do his own will, not God's will. Saul was rebellious against God. Saul was too big for his britches. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to do, do a translation. 
We're going to go from the book of Saul to the book of David. We're going to go from this proud guy to this humble shepherd boy. We're going to go from this guy that goes to a witch to this guy over here, amen, that's on, out there in the, in the field watching sheep, playing a harp, amen, or singing the Lord or writing a song and praising and worshiping God. I say this, going from the kingdom of Saul to the kingdom of David was a blessing. A wonderful thing. And then, translation. Let's see, where's that found again? Enoch was not. God translated him. He translated him. From what to what? (laughs) From here to there. He walked with God and he did not see death. God said, I'm not going to let you see death. I'm going to bring you up where I am. I'm going to translate you. I'm going to take you from one state to another state. I'm going to take you from one place to a better place. I'd say that was a pretty good move for Enoch. Wouldn't you agree? Thank God for translation. By the way, one day that's what's going to happen to a group of God's people the saints, amen, that are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord, you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to be translated in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And that's going to be a wonderful thing. But wait, 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 wait. I'm translated right now. I'm not waiting on it. Who hath translated us I'm getting something out of that this morning. God says, you were over there in that kingdom, and I put you in a better kingdom. You were over there in that state, and I put you in a better state. You were in a location way over here you couldn't get out of, and I translated you and put you into a better location. What's the translation? He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Do you see that in the Bible? didn't just say Son. God said, put dear Son in there. This is beautiful. This is precious. This is wonderful. My dear son. Something everybody should want. Everybody should desire. God took me out of a kingdom of darkness. And a kingdom that was. Wouldn't last. And he put me into the kingdom of his dear son. I know. I know the kingdom of Christ. Is still yet to come on this earth. But what I'm telling you right now. He has already translated me into the kingdom of His dear Son. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost just took me out of my world and put me into the kingdom of His dear Son. I say thank the Lord. That means I got a bigger authority than Biden. I got a king. I've got a bigger authority than my own opinion. I've got a king. Religion. I'm not in the kingdom of religion. I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. He is my king. And the devil's not in charge of me any longer. And the world's not in charge of me. But I have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. It's always a better thing. I wonder this morning, have you been translated? Not waiting for it. Are are you in it right now? He said, hath translated us. 
That's the present tense. The present truth into the kingdom of his dear son. I wonder, would that be what you would say about your life? I'm just so thankful that I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. Is the Lord Jesus dear to you? You know, I, I used to have a problem. I, when we wrote letters, you know, and they would teach us in school, you'd start a letter and you'd say, Dear John. Well, John ain't dear to me. <laughs> dear Sally. Wow, that's just the way you bring the salutation. <laughs> and now, you know, I got older. I quit doing that dear thing. Because I don't want to lie. Could could you be honest with yourself and admit everybody's not very everybody's not so dear to you? Matter of fact, some of you I don't know if anybody's dear to you. But you know what we ought to say this morning? Dear son. Dear Lord. Dear Jesus, I don't even say that, you know, when you get up, supposed to marry people in the pastor's manual, so you get up and say, dearly beloved. <laughs> it's just a word. I wonder this morning, is the Lord dear unto you? Are you thankful that he has taken you out of something destructive and put it, placed you and moved you and translated you and changed everything into the kingdom of his dear son. He says you ought to give you ought to give the father thanks for that. Thank you, Father, for translating me. Thank you for allowing me to be in the kingdom of your dear son. And then he says, I got something else that we ought to thank the Father for. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. We ought to thank the Father this morning for what he has made us, for delivering us, for translating us, for redeeming us. Redemption is a great word in the Bible. That's why we shouldn't relegate the Bible just to simple words because the words have a great story to tell. Something that is redeemed is something that was enslaved and indebted and then paid for and bought back again. And the Bible says before we got saved, we were sold under sin, we were slaves. And God, as it were, went to the auctioning block when nobody else would buy you. When you had no value and no worth. And the Lord Jesus said, I will redeem it. I will buy it. I will take all of the debts of that individual to be my own debts. And I will pay them in full. 
And nobody cares and nobody wants them and there's no value to them, but I will pay the highest price for their sorry soul. And I will redeem them off of the slave market of sin and under the control of the devil and I'll pay all the price. God says you're redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That price for that redemption was His blood. He says, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Why would the new perverted Bibles take that phrase out of the Scripture? They take it out. Thank God that the Bible says that the price of redemption, hey, it's too high. It had to be the blood because it's a payment for eternal sin. And there had to be eternal blood to pay for eternal sin. And it is a payment that will bring forth eternal righteousness. It took God's blood to give God's righteousness. He says, He's redeemed us. By His blood. Redeemed us through His blood. You know, He says in heaven, Amen, when we're gathered up there in Revelation chapter 5, we'll just start praising the Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord, that has redeemed us by Thy blood out of every race and tribe and tongue and kindred. That's going to be the song of heaven. We're not going to be in heaven singing, When He was on the cross, I was on His mind. We're not going to be singing about us. We're going to sing about you're worthy. You're worthy. You paid the redemption price. It was your blood. Forever we're going to be singing that. And the angels, they don't understand that song. They can't even sing that. Boy, I'm glad. When we sing those songs about redemption, we ought to be a lot more. We ought to be a lot more thankful. We, we, we really are. I'm redeemed, but not with silver. I'm bought, but not with gold. Bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. Precious price of love untold. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. And you see people singing that and they're saying, Redeemed how I love proclaim. You know what? There is a disconnect with giving thanks unto the Father about the redemption. But you know what? When you see those wounds, I didn't say scars. When you see those wounds, just like in Zechariah, you'll know how high a price God paid for you. And that's why I think it's such an offense, and that's why I think it's not going to be hard for God to throw people in hell. Because if you walk past that kind of price for your soul and you're not interested in your, in your soul and you could care less that Jesus Christ gave his own life and shed his own blood to buy you off a slave market of sin and redeem you from hell, then you deserve to go to hell. Somebody come and pay for every debt you've ever incurred and you're not even thankful enough to receive it. He said, giving thanks unto the Father. 
because that dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood. And then I'm finished. Even. It's an additional thing. Even the forgiveness of sins. You know what God could have done? God could have paid for us and bought us and paid for all of our sins and then reminded us of those things for the rest of our existence. Have you ever had anybody that paid a debt for you but never could quit reminding you they paid you that? They had grace for you, but when something turned a little wrong, they'd say, well, now you remember. You ever had anybody do you that way? And they just keep bringing up over and over and over again how they were gracious and helpful and forgiving. God says this, I've redeemed you but then I've also forgiven you. It's forgiven. It's gone. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, he says, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know what I know about people? There are some things people won't forgive other people for. There are some things that some people can do, and they'll never, ever let it go. You know what I want to say this morning? Thank you, Father, that you're not that way. Even the forgiveness of sins. Can you think about how many sins you have committed? With your hands, with your mind, with your eyes, with your tongue, with your heart that nobody has seen. What a great God that has forgiveness, not just for sins of commission, but sins of omission, sins that are in public, sins that are in secret. I tell you what, there has been enough forgiveness that's been put out by God in this building that everything that's breathing in here ought to just stop and say, Thank you, Father. And then there may be somebody in here you got something that's not been forgiven because you're holding on to it. There may be somebody in here this morning, you need some forgiveness. I know where it's found. Brother Earl Hughes, you say, I know what to do with everybody's sins if they'd all bring them to me, but I, I can't do that. He said, just take those sins and put them in the blood and they're gone. You need forgiveness? You know where people live? They live in guilt. They live in shame. And God says, I have not only redeemed you, but I've forgiven you. So you don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. You can live in forgiveness. You can live that way. You don't have to live with something over your shoulder or looking over you from back in your past. He says, even the forgiveness of sins today, yesterday, forever. Don't look, don't live in guilt. Don't live in shame. Don't live in unconfessed sin. Thank God that you can live in forgiveness. Giving thanks unto the Father. You got anything to thank the Father for this morning? Do you need anything from the Father?